This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Welcome back to BQL Daily, presented by BetMGM. Eddie Gross, Joe Ostrowski, and Aaron Hawksworth here with you. And joining us now to talk about week three of the NFL season, props, fantasy, all sorts of good stuff, Matthew Friedman of MB Fantasy Life. You can follow him on X at Matt F. The Oracle. Matthew, thanks so much for joining us. So let's talk about last night, Nick Chubb's unfortunate injury. Certainly hate it for the player. But Jerome Ford uh, played very, very well in a relief effort. So my question to you is, how much should we buy into Jerome Ford? Do you feel like that there's value in backing him when it comes to the prop market, fantasy, anything of the sort? Matthew, uh, don't hear him yet. Okay. Uh, hopefully we will get back to him in just a bit. But uh, in the meantime, uh you know, Joe, I'll ask you this. Uh, when it comes to how much we should back, say, the Browns ground game, because we've seen this before where Chubb wasn't around, but, you know, the Browns were still able to win football games and still be effective in terms of chunk plays. Yeah, well, in this matchup with Tennessee and Cleveland going into week number three, there's a lot of three and a half. So that number's come down a full point at a lot of spots. So that's interesting. <laughs> Uh, that that's how he is viewed in the betting market, that he's viewed about a point for non-QBs. That's going to be on the high end. So, but in this specific matchup, which will break down, I, what do you want to do against Tennessee? You don't want to run the ball anyways, right? right. So mm -hmm. would it all go through Nick Chubb? I don't, had he been able to get out of last night healthy? Probably not anyways. So I don't look at it as a big deal. I mean, that's got to be a Watson game. It's, it's going to be up to him if Cleveland's going to win and cover that one. Sure. Yeah, and no, that's I, I the think... big concern is Watson. Mm-hmm. 100% it is. Uh, hopefully Matthew is back with us. And so, uh, Matthew, again, thank you so much for joining us. So, again, Nick Chubb is out. Jerome Ford is in. How much should we believe in this running back? Yeah, he looked pretty impressive in relief last night. And, uh, you know, obviously people say running backs really don't matter, especially for the spread. I don't think it matters all that much. It certainly hurts their depth. But, uh, I mean, he's not Nick Chubb, but the passing game is really what is going to have to predicate how this offense does anyway. Uh, and with no Jack Conklin, you know, that's a big deal 
no Nick Chubb. That's not a minor deal, not a major deal. I would say like that feels like half a point, not quite a full point, half a point. So Jerome Ford, he looks good. I would still have them, uh, you know, roughly in the ballpark of where they were before that game last night if they hadn't played terribly. Like I'm more concerned about their performance overall than about the fact that they don't have Nick Chubb. Well, Matt, another notable running back injury coming up on Thursday night. It looks to be a bad spot for the Giants. They're going to San Francisco, staying out west as they should. It was nine and a half. This cut through the 10. We're at 10 and a half. Some spots have 11. Looks like Matt Breed is going to be out there instead of Saquon. How much does Saquon matter? The movement on this line, is it more about San Francisco or is it more about Saquon? and the way the Giants started their season in the first six quarters. Yeah, I think it's it's a combination, but I would say it's more San Francisco. I mean, they they have just looked like one of the best teams in the league. And entering the season, there were the questions about Brock Purdy, but that was really the only main question. They are pretty healthy, and they're going against a Giants team that, you know, obviously Saquon is out, but they're missing other significant players too. It's not certain that left, ta- left tackle Andrew Thomas is going to play. Edge rusher Aziz Ojolari was out last week. Wondell Robinson hasn't returned yet. So it's not just Saquon. It is like all across the team. They are functioning at less than full capacity, and then they have short rest, and they're on a back-to-back out west. Like it is just a highly negative circumstance that they are in. Josh Allen and the Bills bounced back. Now the Bills travel to Washington where they are six-and-a-half-point favorites. The Commanders look like they could be better than what we've seen the past few seasons, but that still remains to be seen. (laughs) How do you view this matchup? Yeah, as you mentioned, the number six-and-a-half, I have it projected right around there. I have it projected at 6.6. So I'm, I'm in line with the market. I grabbed this early on the look-ahead market when it was five-and-a-half. And, you know, even though I say I have it projected at six-and-a-half, there's no way I want to be betting on the commanders in this spot. I, you know, I think we saw, you know, historically in week one and then the Buffalo Bills against the Jets for the past couple of seasons – Josh Allen struggles with that defense in particular, but it's not as if that Bills offense is diminished and they just absolutely wrecked the Raiders. I am not impressed by what we've seen out of the commanders so far. They've had two really easy matchups to start the year, barely won both of those matchups. Uh, I think this is a situation where it's Bills or nothing. And I don't really like saying that about favorites, but at less than seven points, I still think that if you were to take a side on this one, I would be going to Bills. It's entirely possible that the best team in football in the Dallas Cowboys are facing the worst team in football in the Arizona Cardinals, and thus we get a 12-and-a-half-point spread. I'm curious when it comes to, say, the potential range of outcomes that are feasible in any kind of random football game, best versus worst. Does 12-and-a-half make sense to you? Yeah, there are a lot of big spreads this week, you know, and week three, I guess, tends to be that point in the season where people really start to feel comfortable about projecting what they've seen moving forward. And as you mentioned, you know, the Cowboys, they might be the best team in the league. They really might be. They've scored more points than any other team, and they have allowed fewer points 
than any other team. And entering the season, everyone would have said that the Cardinals were the stone cold worst. And I get, I still got to say, this number feels high. Now, I don't know if I want to step in front of that train that is the Cowboys right now with the Cardinals, but the Cardinals at home, you know, on a number that if we wait, maybe gets up to 14 if a whole bunch of, of public money comes in and drives this thing up. But even with where it is now, you know, 11 to 12 and a half, that just feels like too much. It, but I, I, don't, I don't want to be in the position of actually backing the Cardinals. But just based on the numbers, based on the numbers, it feels like too much. I think this should be on the other side of – I don't want to say the other side of 10, but 10. 10 feels like the number. Monday night, we've got two more again, and one of them is Rams-Bengals. And the conversation that we're all having about these two teams is not what I was expecting going into the year. The look-ahead was 7.5, and and we have uncertainty with Burrow. And they bring that down to 3.5, so it's like they're playing it in between. But if you look at the numbers now, we're down to 1.5. Bengals favored over the Rams. How do you read this situation? Yeah, this number is priced as if it is almost a certainty that Burrow is out. Um, I mean, I don't know if I should say that exactly, but heavily skewed to the probability of Burrow being out. If he's out, it would not surprise me at all if this flipped and the Rams were favorites heading into the game. I have been really impressed with the Rams, and Part of that might be confirmation bias. I was kind of more bullish on the Rams than a lot of other people in the industry entering the season. Uh, and I've still been impressed by, by what we've seen. And then on the flip side, the Bengals have looked like a very limited version of themselves. And part of that is probably because of the Joe Burrow injury. Um, but if he plays, this – this number has to kick back up. It's not going to get to six and a half or seven, but it has to kick up from where it is. And I don't know. It just feels like there might be an opportunity here at this low number, because even if it flips to the Rams favored, the difference from, you know, minus one to plus one isn't that big of a difference, but you know, from minus two to, you know, like minus four and a half or five, that's pretty significant. So I haven't bet this game yet, but if I were to take a position on it, I would probably be going on the Bengals. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. 
Another big spread, Texans at Jaguars. The Jaguars' offensive line has been struggling to protect Trevor Lawrence. Meanwhile, I've been encouraged from what I've seen from C.J. Stroud and this Texans squad with their new head coach, but Stroud now dealing with an injured shoulder. Uh, What are your takeaways, early looks at this matchup? Yeah, I have this projected exactly at nine and a half. I think the number is right. I have been impressed by Stroud with what we've seen. I mean, he has uh, the league high total in sacks, which, like, that's not good. You know, he's looked like a rookie playing behind an offensive line that's missing four starters. You know, it hasn't been, uh, like, a straightforward pass. But he has made some progress. Last week, he looked pretty good, you know, throwing for over 300 yards, two touchdowns, still yet to throw an interception on the year. Like, he's actually looked like a pretty good pocket passer. So, encouraged by what we've seen out of him. In that Jags defense, I'm I'm not sold on it. You know, like, it wasn't a good unit last year. I think they did a pretty decent job last week against the Chiefs, but I'm still going to kind of revert back to, like, my prior knowledge of this defense and say that it can be exploited. I'm not sure that the Texans are the team to exploit it, but I do think the Jags defense is exploitable. And uh, if this number were to get to 10, I think Houston would be the side at nine and a half. It's a stay away. He's Matt Friedman here on BetQL Daily talking about week three of the NFL season. I'm curious when it comes to the Miami Dolphins. They're six and a half point favorites against the Denver Broncos. And it's possible that it's the Dolphins with the best offense in the NFL. And A, do you buy into that? And B, if so, when is it an appropriate time to say back Tyreek Hill props versus say Jalen Waddle props or maybe opportunities to back both or neither? Yeah, that's interesting. I, uh, I am a little bit biased in this in that I, I like Tua a lot. Uh, I have a, you know, from the preseason, I have a 22 to one ticket on Tua to win MVP. And part of that is because we saw him when he was healthy last year, perform at an MVP caliber level. And, you know, some of that is because of his talent. A lot of it is because of the great scheme that he's in and the wide receivers, you know, the weapons around him. Uh, and I am a believer in this offense. Now, at some point, the, the league is going to get enough tape. They're going to catch up, and then we're going to have to see the offense innovate. But I, I do believe that Mike McDaniel has that capability, so I do believe in this offense. In terms of, you know, taking uh, – props for Tyreek versus Jalen Waddle. I mean, flip a coin, you know, like it's not as if those guys are interchangeable. You know, Tyreek, I think is like the clear number one receiver just in terms of the target volume that he has and the way that they scheme the offense around him. But Jalen Waddle is sufficiently uh, robust on his own to get a lot of production on a decent number of targets. So, I mean, I think it's probably a case-by-case basis, but really it's just kind of random between those two, like a volcano. Like, you never really know which one of them is going to go off, but, like, in the aggregate, there will be a lot of yards. Uh, Matthew, I know some people are going to think it's too early for this, but I know you are not one of them because you follow the draft markets for the NFL closer than anyone. And I want to get your thoughts because people are already out there saying, Hey, this is going to be a terrific quarterback draft. Uh, We just had one where three went in the first four picks Uh, early thoughts on that because tanking is now being talked about like it has been in the NBA 
for years. And Caleb Williams is a bigger favorite than a couple weeks ago. He's minus 500 to be the first overall pick. Drake May, the second favorite at plus 550. Any thoughts on that market? Yeah, I mean, I don't think you can bet Caleb Williams at this number now. And I would say in part, you know, part of that is because injuries always happen. Like think about Tua, you know, like at this point in his final season, he was the clear number one, uh, the number one pick. And then he suffered the injury. And then you also had Joe Burrow come along. So I don't think you can bet Caleb Williams now. Part of it is because injuries happen. Part of it is also because like the draft process is its own beast. And sometimes the guys that we think end up who should go number one, like the team that has the number one pick doesn't like them for whatever random reason. So I wouldn't be betting it now. I would expect that he will still be in the 500 range near the end of the season or near the beginning of the draft process. And then if you want, you can maybe bet him then, although 500 is a big number. I don't think Drake May is going to be able to surpass him. Um, but, man, it is really intriguing to think that right now the Cardinals do have the inside track to the number one and the number two picks because they do own the Houston Texans first rounder and the Texans are 0-2. So uh, it will be very curious to see what they do if they end up having both of those picks. If they trade one of them away, if they – I don't think they're going to trade both of them. Maybe they go uh, quarterback one, Marvin Harrison Jr., number two. But there's a lot of intrigue at the top of the draft. Matthew Friedman of MB Fantasy Life, thank you so much for your time. We greatly appreciate it. This is BetQL Daily presented by BetMGM. Coming up next, we look at all of our updated NFL award and player futures and see where we can find some value on the board. That's right here on the BetQL Network.